welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. Well, that's what we're sharing about this morning is hope. A new hope for the new year, 2021, and what a year 2020 was. My goodness, there seemed to be little hope for many, many people. Many people lost hope for their businesses. Many people lost hope of being reunited with loved ones. And many people just lost hope of being able to socialize again with families And so it was a very, very difficult year. But God says that he has a future and a hope for us. And we're going to look at Jeremiah 29 verse 11. And we read, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. God says, I have plans to give you future and a hope. When God spoke to these, uh, spoke these words, he spoke to his people in Babylon. And they were imprisoned. They were captives in Babylon. It's almost like we were captives in 2020, captives in South Australia. But he said, in the difficulties, know this, my people, he said, I am thinking all about you, I am thinking of you, and I am thinking and planning of good things, good things to give you a future and a hope. So if you have been feeling like a captive, as if you've been in captivity, you know, mental captivity, mental captivity to fear, it's been a fearful time, hasn't it, 2020? Um, A financial captivity. And many people have suffered in their businesses. I know uh, we are supported by uh, a family business. And I received an email from the um, people, the tenants of the family business. And they said, we want to reduce the rent. And we want to cut the rent down. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, how are we going to survive? It's... Our only income is the rent from our investment property. And the tenant saying, I am losing so much money. I can't afford to pay you the rent. So by law, you need to reduce the rent. And, you know, I, I thought, my goodness, I'm, I'm in financial captivity. I'm in captivity to fear. And then there's spiritual captivity and the captivity of sin. Um, There's a captivity to a lack of meaning and purpose in life. But in all of this, God loves you. God is thinking about you. And he says, I've got a hope and I've got a future. So God is a God of recovery. And through Christ, there is hope. So we're going to look at hope. The word hope, H-O-P-E, H, hearing, O, options, P, persistence, E, enter his gates hope so number one hearing hope comes from hearing we need to hear about what God has done for others 
how others came through their struggles, how others came out on the other side. It's a common human trait that when we feel overwhelmed by life situations, we tend to isolate ourselves. We tend to withdraw from the world. But that's the worst thing that we can do. When you isolate yourself, when you withdraw rather than advance, what happens is that negative thoughts become dominant. Negative thoughts become destructive lies that end up controlling us. When you isolate yourself, demonic powers, there are demonic spirits that bombard our minds and they come at our weakest moment when things are going bad for us and they come and hit our weakest point. So whatever our weakest area of life is, whatever area that we struggle in, say it's inferiority, when difficult times come, wicked thoughts bombard, from wicked spirits bombard our mind with thoughts saying, you are no good, you are worthless, you are useless, you're not going to succeed, rah, rah, rah. So your weakest point, weakest moment. And when we withdraw, when we isolate, we are subject to that. Uh, Three years ago, when I was in Port Hedland, I got a text from a young woman in Murray Bridge. She's 20 years old. And she sent me this text, I really don't want to live anymore. Life is too hard. I immediately phoned this 20-year-old young girl and she had cut her wrists. I rang her up and she'd already cut her wrists. Her wrists were bleeding. And when I phoned her, she said, no matter what I do, I'll never be good enough. No matter what I'll do, whatever I do, I'll fail. So I just began to speak into her life. And I gave her hope by telling her my life story, my story of taking a rifle when I was 20 years old, putting it to my head and starting to pull the trigger. And I heard God say, you're mine. You belong to me. I have a purpose for you. I have hope for you. And so I unloaded my my rifle and put it away and cried out to God. And a few days later, I met a Christian who invited me to church. And I shared that story with her. I said, don't cut your wrists. Get medical attention straight away because you have hope. God gave me hope. God gave me life. He transformed my life. And he can do the same for you. Three years later, she now has a wonderful partner and a lovely little baby boy. And last night, she asked me to officiate at her wedding. She sent me a photograph of her engagement ring and said, would you marry me and my partner? And I replied, it would be an absolute privilege. See, lying thoughts tell you that things will never change. There's no hope for your situation. There's no way out. It's all lying thoughts. Lying thoughts say you might as well quit. However, hearing good reports of what God has done overcomes the lies of hopelessness. 
You know, testimonies of good reports. You know, I, I testified that I attempted suicide at the age of 20. I testified that I had 16 car accidents before the age of 21 because I wanted to die. But I told her that Jesus gave me life and hope and, and called me to be a pastor and used me to help thousands and thousands of people to plant two churches, to revive another church in Port Hedland. And, you know, I shared those stories with her. So when people hear the stories of God miraculously providing for, for yourself or for others, their hope lifts and the wheels of their own victory and provision begin to turn. My wife shares with people about her struggles in life. And when people are suffering from oppression and confusion and Robin tells them her story, their hope is renewed. When Robin tells them how she found deliverance was set free from a lifetime of oppression, their hopes renewed and they are given keys to also find freedom. They realize things can turn around in their lives as well, that things don't have to stay the way they are. Robin and I share openly with people that we went through very difficult times in our marriage for many years and for many years our marriage was on the precipice could have just tipped over the edge and we could have broken up and we share with people how we went through years of incredible pain we've been married 44 years now or more 40 47 years we've been married 47 years it only seems like 44 um and um but now Life has gone from hell to heaven. And I say to my wife, you are my best friend. I want to die before you because I don't know how to live without you. And I just say, look, you know, life is so good. You're my best friend. And guess what? In the last six months alone, let alone previous years, but just in the last six months alone, Robin and myself have been able to rescue three broken marriages through telling them our story, giving them hope, and then giving them marriage counselling. So just in the last six months, three families have been rescued from sure disaster. And two of those are from non-church backgrounds. And one couple who've got two little girls, they are now attending church um, in Adelaide. I referred them to a church in Adelaide. And so this is also the reason that I talk candidly about my childhood sexual abuse and how Jesus delivered me. And people need to hear stories like this. I was giving a lecture in the CRC Bible College uh, one year. And I'm sharing about my sexual abuse and how God delivered me. And as I'm eyeballing the students, I saw one girl getting quite visibly emotionally affected. And I thought, my goodness, you know, she relates to my story. This girl has been badly damaged um, by abuse. 
and I didn't say anything to her, but after I finished the uh, lecturing, she came up to me and said, Pastor Ray, she said, what you have been through, I have been through. But this morning, you have given me hope. If God can do what he's done in your life, if you can become a pastor and a successful pastor and successful leader and preacher, she said, I can too. I never thought I would ever be able to succeed with my past. But she said, hearing your story, now I know that what God has done for you, he can do for me. See, hope arose in her heart. And God can turn things around for you as you hear other people's stories of what God has done. But also, it's very, very important to read the stories and the promises in the Bible. Let's look at Romans 15.4. And we read, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures we might have hope. So the things written in the Bible were written for our benefit so that we might be comforted and encouraged to endure, to have patience and to have hope in our situations. King David was a man in question and he faced a giant called Goliath. It looked like there was no hope for this probably you know, teenage boy facing this, I don't know how tall he was, eight, nine foot giant. And yet King David was a man, he wasn't king then, but he was a young man, a teenager of faith and, and uh, faith in God and trust in God. And he defeated that giant. But even though he became a great man of faith and justice, in a weak moment, he sinned and committed adultery. And then he actually murdered the woman's husband so he could get the woman to cover up his sin. But then he repented. He, he asked God for forgiveness and God forgave him and restored him. And I thank God for that story of forgiveness in the Bible because before I became a Christian at 21 years of age, I lived a very bad life. I would get drunk all the time because of the childhood sexual pain. I, I treated people badly. I was a thief. I was a robber. I broke into houses and stole. I was just out of control. I was mentally, mentally ill. I was a very mentally unbalanced young man. And I suffered terrible guilt from that. And I just wanted to die. And that's why I had so many car accidents. And that's why I took a rifle and was going to shoot myself. But God loved me. God knew me. My mother was a praying Christian. She prayed for me. I would come home at six in the morning after drinking and partying all night. And as I'd sneak into the house, my mum would wake up and she'd call out to me because the front door was opposite her bedroom and she'd call out to me and she'd say Raymond I wish you wouldn't live like this because God has told me 
that you're going to be a pastor one day. And I was 20 years old and I would reply, a reply, oh, don't be a silly old woman. You know, that's stupid. I'm never going to be a pastor as I rocked in the door after a night of drinking. But she never gave up hope and she prayed for me. And as I say, when I put that rifle to my head, God answered my mother's prayers and he spoke to me and said, I've got a purpose, I've got a life for you. So there is hope. Where is a wonderful resource to get faith from in in what appears to be impossible situations? I found that I got incredible strength and inspiration and faith from promises. The promises of God are pregnant with power and they can give you hope in hopeless situations. The promises of God can cause your faith to come alive. And so what I have done is I have made a list of promises. I've gone through the whole Old Testament and the New Testament and as God spoke to me promises, I have written them down in my promise book on my phone. And here's just some of them. His faithful promises are your armour and protection. Psalm 91 verse 4. Psalm 119 verse 50. Your promises bless and rejuvenate me. Guide my steps by your word so I will not be overcome by any evil. Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the deliverance the Lord will accomplish for you today. The Lord will fight for you. And it goes on hundreds of verses and I, I read through those. So promises. Take hold of the promises. Hope for 2021 comes from hearing. Number two, <coughs> hope comes from options. It may seem that in your present circumstances, you're boxed in. You can't get out. It just seems too difficult. But look. No matter what situation you're in, no matter how difficult, there are options. There are choices that you can and should make. Choices guided by God. You know that 20-year-old girl, when she phoned me, when she texted me and her wrists were bleeding and she was pouring out her lifeblood, I told her that she had another option. I said, you have other options. I said, rather than throw your life away, you've got another option. Why don't you give your life to others? Rather than throw your life away, give your life away and focus on people worse off than you. There are other people going through what you are going through, but even worse. I said, give your life away to others. And she took that other option. So there's a course of action that God can help you uh, to recognize and begin pursuing. Okay, I'm going to jump because I'm running late. So we're going to jump a couple of pages. 
I, I have a reputation for preaching too long and I'm not going to do that today. So today you may be facing a difficult situation. There are options for you, but you might not see them. But as you ask God, as you pray to God, look for them and God will guide you and he will help you find them. And God has spoken words of promises. Now here are some promises I haven't put the references down, but they are well-known promises. May God, my God will supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Surely he has borne your sicknesses and carried your pains, and by his stripes you are healed. My son, my younger son, broke his foot on a motorbike. I told him not to ride his motorbike without motorbike boots on he broke his foot he was 10 years old um, my older son carried him in put him on the lounge and my wife said I said let's take him to the doctor immediately my wife said no we're not taking him to the doctor immediately we are praying first Ray lay hands on his foot and ask God for a miracle so I laid my hands on his foot. I asked God to heal him. We took him to the doctor and they x-rayed him. We got a phone call a little later and the doctor said, I want to see you now. And he sounded really grumpy. So we went to the, uh, the Murray Bridge Clinic and the doctor said, you told me that your son broke his foot today. I said, yes, that's right. He said, well, the report has come back, the x-rays have come back, and it says that your son did break his foot, but six weeks ago, and there's six weeks bone growth. How do you explain that? And I said, well, we prayed and asked God for a miracle. And his smart reply was, could you pray for my golf score so I can get a better golf score? But sadly... He didn't know it, but he only had a couple of months to live. He had a cancer in the top of his head, and it was going through his body. And just a couple of months later, uh, he died. And I believe that God showed him that miracle so he could cry out to God in his time of facing death. Whether he did or not, I don't know. But I think there was a double purpose in that miracle. Um, he says, I will, lead, I will lead you and I will teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye upon you. So there are, are options because we have a God of hope. In your situation today, there are options and options and choices are actually steps of faith. And faith is action. What is an action of faith you can take today and what steps of faith can you take? And when you begin to act and you begin to take steps forward in faith, calling on God, asking for solutions, asking him to show you what you can do, the prison walls of hopelessness begin to break. So hope for 2021 comes from hearing. Hearing other stories of great God's great deliverances and provision. Hearing the promises of God from his word. Hope for 2020 comes from options 
realizing that there are options, there are other choices, and God can give you other choices. God can guide you to people who have answers in your situation. And the third one, hope is fulfilled through persistence. Persistence is simply keeping on doing what you know is right. Let's look at Galatians 6 verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. We will reap if we don't lose heart. You have to be persistent. Too many people quit too early. God sent me to Marybridge to start a church 30 years ago. And I started the church with six adults and four children. And after six months of going to Murray Bridge every week, every week, midweek, weekends, the church didn't grow a bit. After six months, there were still six adults and four children. And then one of the foundation members, one of the people that were coming, uh, a man living in Murray Bridge who'd been praying for a church that would impact the city, said to me, you're not the man of God that I've been praying for. You're not the man of God that God has told me he's sending to Murray Bridge because nothing's happened. I tell you what, I felt like giving up. I felt like going home. But I had a promise. God said to me, I'm giving you a church. And although it looked bleak, although it looked like nothing was happen, happening, I had a promise. In spite of what this man said, I go, no, God tells the truth. And I am persisting. And then all of a sudden, people started to come. And people started to get miraculous healing. Because there were so many outstanding healing miracles. Like two people with cancer that were told there was no hope. They just had to go home and die. They had no treatment. They both were instantly healed. And one lady was in her 80s and lived another two years without any illness. The other lady, Manetta Lausch is her name. She is still alive today, 20 years later. No cancer, no treatment, no cancer. And the doctors just say, we have no explanation for this. And that's just a couple. I go, go on all day. Um, but I'm running out of time. But Manetta is alive today, rejoicing in God. And those stories went through Murray Bridge. And people just, the church doubled and people just started to come. And today, one out of every 20 people in a city the same, as, same size as Wyala. Wyala, Murray Bridge are about 22,000 people. One out of every 20 people in Murray Bridge regularly attends Murray Bridge Lifehouse because God said, I'm giving you a church. And I persisted through a promise. So you need to hear, you need to realize there are options, you need to persist. And last one, hope is fulfilled in 2018 by entering his gates. And Psalm 100 verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And this morning before this service, I was thrilled to gather with the music team and others 
in this little prayer room here and we entered his courts with praise as we begin to began to thank god and praise him and glorify his name i just felt the presence of god just overwhelming us it was like entering into heaven because it was entering into god's presence and so once you realize there are options once you've chosen a course of action once you've adopted a mindset that that says i'm staying with this as long as it takes all that is left is to praise god and to thank him so praise overturns an attitude of hopelessness the attitude that is dark and heavy praise changes my attitude of mind and it changes the atmosphere around me after i started the church and it exploded that's in murray bridge in 1994 was a terrible situation there was a conflict in the church i didn't handle the conflict i made some wrong choices i got angry i yeah i got angry i did not behave like a christian pastor should behave i blasted people i didn't do the right thing because i was so angry at the attacks upon me and i knew i was innocent i knew that you know i I hadn't done and um, there were some people trying to get rid of me um, in the church because they wanted to control the church and they spread lies around the church i lost 50 percent of the church the church went from 120 down to 60 people half the church disappeared and i did not handle it well it seemed like my world was caving in around me what should i do well the first thing i did is i stood up in front of the church that was left 60 people and i humbled myself and i apologized for my reaction i didn't apologize for anything that i'd done because i hadn't done anything but when i got accused i reacted and rather than trust god and trust god to defend me i defended myself and i wasn't real happy and nice in defending myself and um and so i had to take responsibility for my reaction and i read a promise that said god exalts the humble god brings down the proud and exalts the humble and i just said i defended myself in pride and now i've got to humble myself and ask the people for forgiveness to forgive me for my reaction for my going back to human nature and human defense and you know what happened in the following six months the church went from 60 to 180 god just sent all these people in the and it's been growing ever since and still growing today god exalts the humble and i've never forgotten that promise and so every time i do something wrong i look for the opportunity to humble myself ask for forgiveness and apologize particularly to my wife um and god exalts the humble so after i apologized and humbled myself and asked the church to forgive me then i went into my lounge room every day for about a week and every day i'd walk around my lounge room and 
speaking out God's promises loudly and thanking him and praising him. And some of those promises, this promise book that I showed you today came out of that experience. That terrible, painful... I I was so emotionally devastated by losing half the church that I had almost an emotional breakdown. I couldn't walk for days. I couldn't get off my bed. My wife and two of the board members came and they carried me to their car and they took me out to a place, a strawberry farm, where you could pick your own strawberries for $2 a basket. I couldn't pick any strawberries because I couldn't walk. I just was emotionally broken. And so they laid me in the furrow. You couldn't see me because the strawberry bushes were this high. And I laid in the strawberry bushes looking up at the sky and I looked around and there were strawberries hanging there. So I had enough strength to pick strawberries and eat them lying in a furrow. And they carried me back to the car and and carried me back to my bed. The three of them literally carried me. And I had options. One option was to resign and go back to Adelaide. The other option was to thank God and start praising him and remembering that he gave me a promise, that he was going to give me a church. And so that's when I started speaking out his promises and speaking them out loud and walking around my lounge. And I got out of my bed and I just crept around the lounge speaking promises. And as I did, I got stronger and stronger and God healed me. You know, I used to suffer what one could only describe as a spirit of heaviness. And it was like a curse on my life. And I discovered the way of freedom from that that curse. And that is walking backwards and forwards, reading the promises. You might say, why do you need to walk backwards and forwards reading the promises? Why don't you just sit in a chair? Well, the answer is really simple. Whenever I sit in a chair, I go to sleep. And so I have to walk up and down. Some of you may have that dark, heavy thing come on you. Sometimes it just rolls in unexplainably, like a cloud. Often when things start going wrong and attitude and atmosphere, you know, comes on you. When this happens, you need to break it off. And the thing that will do it is entering into the presence of the God of all hope. When you praise and worship God, you feel the strength of this, what I call a demonic attack break, and you'll be set free. Just keep worshipping. Get that negative thing off you. Put on the garment of praise. Get off the garments of heaviness. Put on the garments of praise. Start thinking about all the good things that God has done for you. You know, just count the promises and look at what you've got left, not at what you've lost. (coughs) And when I was um, suffering an emotional breakdown uh, previous to that one, Um, When I was a pastor in Seton Christian Family Centre, I had an emotional breakdown. It was from overwork and um, also from running the family business. And I was accused of embezzling by a family member. And I had court cases and lawyers. And it took me a long time to clear my name. But (coughs) all of that overwork and accusation, I had an emotional breakdown and one day I went out for a drink of water in our laundry from the rainwater tank and there was a tile on the wall 
and it was a Christian, a tile of Christian sayings, and it said, don't look at what you've lost, look at what you've got left. And I thought, what have I got left? I've lost everything. I'm going to lose my home. You know, I'm going to, I, I, I've lost my health. And, and what have I got left? And then I started to think, man, I've got a God who loves me. I've got the hope of eternal life. I've got a wife who loves me even though I'm out of my mind. I've got children who love me. I've got eyes to see this wonderful world. I've got hands that I can touch my dog and my wife, wife and dog better put it right order i've got legs that can carry me take me to places where people are hurting and i can go to places where people are mentally ill and i did that and help people who are far worse off than i am and i suddenly started real man i've got so much left i stopped looking at what i'd lost and what i was about to lose and started thanking God that had eyes to see, a mouth to speak, arms to hug, legs to carry me to be a blessing to others. And so, worship, put on the garment of praise. So in closing, if you want to get to that future and hope that God has for you, you need to hear a promise, a good report of what God has done. You need to realize there are options. There are positive choices. Get God's mind. And you need to persist with the option that God reveals to you and not quit. And you need to praise God and thank him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you that in your word are the keys to make life work. And your will for us is that life should work for us and that we should be blessed and that we should be a blessing. So, Father God, we just thank you and bless you this morning for your many precious promises that give us life and hope and a future. And even though we've been through a pretty rugged year in 2020, we thank you that 2021 has a hope, has a future for us because you have promised it to us. So, Father, I pray that you would bless this church, the people of this church, and that in 2021, it would be a year of blessing and fruitfulness and life and joy. Father, I just thank you for the privilege of being here this morning in the first Sunday of 2021, on the first Sunday of 2021, bringing hope, bringing a future that is positive. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at bethelcrc.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.